Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Comedy Central. You're not going to like this one, JG. Why? I know you, and I know you're not going to like this one. No, you assume these things. How do you know? What is it? Now hiring. Queen Elizabeth II is dead, and the country of England needs somebody to take the throne. Please submit your applications. That's not how that works. No. You're so wrong. <laughs> that is not how that Listen. works. <laughs> the old queen passed away uh, due to complications from being 96. Basically. <laughs> Look, I told you that, I told you weren't going to like this. Stop making me laugh at stuff like that. King Charles III takes the throne. Good for him. I, you know, I don't know what, but who would be the American equivalent of like a monarch? Like somebody we all respect, but they ain't really got no like legal power. Like, like she's not like the prime minister. Oprah? Mm. Oprah's. Oprah. She's Oprah's nice. Super though. respected and influential. Yeah. Oprah. No, no, I'm not saying with the same fucked up tarnished oh, legacy okay. like Queen Elizabeth. Mm. I'm just saying just someone who walks around like they in charge, but they really. Got a lot of legal leverage to do a lot of stuff. But that, well, she does now. Wait a minute. She didn't sued or sent a cease and desist letter to one of our former guests. So, uh, yes, she does. Oprah. <laughs> Queen Oprah. Yeah. Oprah. Yeah. Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Roy. This is my job fair. Little raspy this week. I apologize in advance. Don't adjust your listening devices. Uh, Why? Ended up in a strip club with T-Pain and things got a little out of hand. Yeah! My voice Why are you looking away? The next day. And I felt it. I felt it because I don't want your fucking mom guilt oh, on me okay. right now. Okay. Like, this is, so third, it, it, about every 18 months, I lose my voice. Okay. Just like clockwork. Right. Just inexplicably, my voice just goes, I'm taking a personal week. Good luck to you. <laughs> and when that happens... Jacqueline goes into mom mode and your voice is your instrument. And I don't understand why you would allow that man to take you to an establishment like that, knowing that you had gigs to do. You had to do Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. You had to do a promote Confess Fletch, your movie. And mm-hmm. you had so many other things. The Emmys were coming up. Hello. There you are in Honolulu. In a strip club. Screaming at the top of my lungs. You damn right I was. How'd that work out, though? Just, just worked out pretty good. I'm about to say, it. damn it. I just, don't ask me. Mm. I have made better decisions in my life. <laughs> Roy, there is nothing wrong with having fun. However, you have to protect your instrument, and your voice is your instrument. Jacqueline. Yes. When the strip club genie appears, <laughs> poof. Script Club Genie. You cannot say no. No. That's what T-Pain, T-Pain, he was doing shows in Honolulu mm-hmm. and I was in Honolulu doing shows and he came by my my spot after his show. That's dope. And, hey man, what you doing in there? Hey man, where we going? What's the move? 
Like, and the strip club genie took me. I have words. Strip, strip club in Hawaii? Ooh. It wasn't bad. I'm about to say it doesn't it sound bad. bad. It weird. Doesn't sound bad. A little weird. So, tennis. What what do we know about tennis other than it's expensive to play? Oh, the outfits are cute. Arthur Ashe is from Virginia. Yeah. That's what I know. I like the fact that the young brother that's been killing killing it at the U.S. Yes. Open, Tiafo, he's from the DMV. I know that much. And I know that he, uh, I know he Millie rocked the other day when he beat that dude. He Millie nice. rocked like a mug. He he was all yeah. on the court Millie rocking. I support that all day. I, I don't know, but I know one thing. There's a member of the staff who went to the U.S. Open and didn't invite anybody else. But I'm going to leave that alone. That is unfair. I'm not going to let you do that to Listen. her. She she did invite people. You just happened not to be Wait, here. who on the team? Who went Who went to the U.S. Open? Rhonda. Down South Tennis Girl. Yo, the U.S. <laughs> Open is a good-ass time. Yeah. Let me, let me just, just as an aside. Please. If you are a fan of food and atmosphere. Nice. The, the, the only thing I can compare the U.S. Open to, it, like, it's tennis with a fucking tailgate, bro. Word. Like, there is just food and activities. And you could go to the U.S. Open and literally not see a match. You can just be walking around outside the stadium. And if you go in the early rounds, it's like 30 fucking tennis matches happening. Just pick really? one, dog. That's flames. Or you can it. go in center court where you mm-hmm. have a ticket. But it was, I haven't gone in years. I think I went like four or five years ago. And it was a legitimately good time. Nice. It really was. That's what's up. You know, and, you know, our guest today, uh, Michael Costa, who's also a Daily Show correspondent, went to the U.S. Open with Trevor Noah because, you know, Trevor gets the box seats. And apparently motherfuckers think I only like baseball and I don't see no tennis. <laughs> to the U.S. Open. And then I turn on the U.S. Open and see my boss and my motherfucking coworker just in there giggling and just freaking eating elephant ears and making all types of little but pastries. It is weird when, like, you know, you see your boss on, a, I don't know, throwing out a pitch at a baseball game, and you kind of sit there like, maybe he just thinks I like soccer. I don't know. So, yeah, you're right. It is, it is weird. It, it's strange. So, yeah, tennis. Let's, let's talk <laughs> no, a little bit no, no, about no, 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 no. You can't say that because you are actually promoting a movie. So you could yeah. go to a tennis match anyway, Mr. Confess Fletch. It's getting personal today. I didn't know that tennis would be the topic that would divide us like this. Oh, my God. Um, it's a game of love. It brings things out of people. You know what I mean? Oh, love. One love. Okay. I like that. <laughs> little research here from down south Georgia, girl. It's not an unlucrative business, but... Hmm. God damn, everybody's in your pocket. Yeah. The top tennis coaches usually receive 10% of their players' prize money. Okay. Ooh. And then you have an instructor you got to pay. Yes. You got all the traveling tennis coaches you got to pay. You got trainers you got to pay. Mm. That's 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 not a lot. The average tennis pro uh, in America only makes about $35,000 a year, and that's not So not they're hungry. Hard. Mm. That sounds, yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a, that sounds like a little grimy in there for real. If they only making like that, it's a lot of people. Well, that's not a lot, but it's a significant I, but people that that do that. That's 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 sleeping out your car money type stuff. For it's real. no different than minor league baseball. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. like yeah. when they do the when they do the numbers on minor league baseball, the mm-hmm. hours spent at the field versus what you paid, it's less. It's literally less than minimum wage. So, okay. you know, if you want to have a chance at making some real prize money, you've got to, you know. You got to pay your dues. A master racket technician. What is that? That's the person. A who master the ma- racket the, the, technician. They fix the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They fix the strings on the racket, don't they? Yeah, and also uh, matches athletes with the best racket for their type of play, and it focuses on every detail of the racket, from the string oh. material to the tension, hmm. to make sure that the racket is customized and just right. I like hmm. that. That's like technology. Forty thousand a year. Forty. Lastly, before we get into the CMO here, thank you again, Rhonda. Here's some of the ways that tennis players get played. And this is why I think that tennis isn't seen as as immediate of a path out of the hood. When you look at the payout of a fucking tennis tournament, you do this once or twice a year. It's not a bad lick, dog. So let's look at the breakdowns real quick. Um, Bonuses, of course, are into every player's sponsorship. You sign with Nike, and if you win this many tournaments, we're going to give you a little more money. Exhibition fees, endorsement deals, sponsorships, appearance fees, which are always dope. Roger Federer. Nice. 
one million in appearance fees just to show up to smaller tournaments. Like this motherfucker just it's not even an official tournament. Damn. It ain't sanctioned by nothing. Motherfucker playing and one street ball tennis. <laughs> if the money is right. How tennis players get paid. Mm-hmm. This is a breakdown from the 2019 U.S. Open. If you get eliminated in the first round, you get $58,000. Second round, 100000 okay. Third round, 160000 Fourth round, two eighty. Quarterfinal, half a mil. Semis, 900 Runner-up, one point nine. If you win... If you won the U.S. Open in 2019, you got $3.8 million. Now, what's a decent... Now, keep in mind, you're paying for your own travel. You're paying for... And and Michael Costa is going to break down why $58,000 for the first round really ain't as good as we think it is. Half the taxes and 10% to your fucking coach and your tennis pro and the motherfucker that's stringing up the strings on your racket. I guess he got to get a little pinch, too. Everybody getting a fucking pinch. (laughs) It's time now for Cody's most outstanding employee of the week. Now, as you were talking earlier, third, we got to give props to this brother, Francis Tiafo. He was the first American since Andy. This this is when you know they're getting deep into them tennis statistics. He's the first American since Andy Roddick in 2004 to make it to this. Like not even the last American to win. They was just like, did you know an American ain't even got this goddamn far in 20 years? Holy shit. This is 20 years. Rhonda's moonlighting, giving them no stats. (laughs) It was dope to see him play. But the thing that I liked about watching Tiafo in the U.S. Open was that he played with emotion. Mm -hmm. And I really did appreciate that because he didn't mute himself and become, well, I must be buttoned up. He was like, nah. Yes. I beat Nadal. This motherfucker's number two in the world. Listen to me throwing out tennis names like I watch this shit every week. He beat the dude <laughs> who's bad in the motherfucker and then did the salt bay sprinkle on his ass. <laughs> the game Come wasn't on, even man. over yet. I support anybody bringing flavor to mainstream sports. He might as well have done the crip walk like Serena did so many years ago when oh. she beat somebody. And that was amazing to watch. So I, I, I enjoy when, when, when folks come up there and, you know, let, let them know a little bit. Let them know that the rest of us is watching, too. I dig that. I haven't seen it yet, but I can't wait. You'll like his story, oh, JG. You, and you, you tell me whether this yeah. is fair or foul. It's very difficult sometimes for us to just be allowed to just sit back and enjoy an athlete being a good-ass athlete and being new and mm. being dominant and being refreshing. How soon is too soon to tell the struggle stories about the athlete? Because he's his star is now. So you kind of got to know everything now. But do you have to? Because it'd be the way that they bring it up. You know what I'm saying? You, you know what I mean? Third, like when they start talking about the struggle, yeah. like while he's playing in the match. And as we all know, he came from nothing. His daddy was a janitor and they, they ate a mop every day in his family. He ate a mop with peanut I'll, butter I'll, every day. They had mop sanders. Tiafo to serve. 40-15 to serve. Kind of think in this guy's situation, you got to tell that story right now. Because, I mean, we talked to Costa, and you know how much of a struggle this is. There's no bag boys. There's no, there, you know, they don't they don't get to, you know, harass rookies to carry their stuff. They're their own rookies. They carry their own equipment. They pay their own mm-hmm. stuff. You got to tell this guy's story now in hopes that there's somebody out there that's willing to give this brother money to continue doing this very expensive sport. Okay, so then middle ground. Hmm. Let the white tennis professionals call the match. And then when it's time to tell the the story and go into the news package about him during one of the timeouts, you call in a black person and let them say, (laughs) like, struggle announcer. Like, you have play-by-play, you have color commentator, (laughs) and then you have struggle, you have struggle person. Now, no, no. And with that ball, it is now 40-40 to serve after this break. But real quick, we have Jacqueline. And Jacqueline, tell us about the struggle of this Negro. Well, his name is Francis, and his father used to work at a tennis center, and he had really bad equipment. And those white kids used to tease him when he had that bad equipment. But he said, I don't care. And I'm going to go out there and beat you. And that's what he did. Thanks, Jacqueline. Like that. <laughs> oh, oh. It was a head nod for me. It was a total head nod in there. That was it. That was Overcoming it. and coming to America <laughs> and truly being the American dream and getting out that US open and whooping ass and making sure that people know your name henceforth and forever yes. going into 2023. Francis mm. Tiafo. 
You are Cody's most outstanding employee of the week. Totally brought to you. Yes. By Sackleson State Community College. So worst and first time. Jacqueline, what if I do the whole show like this? Nice and deep voice to protect the fact that I have a little bit of rasp today. Then I'm going to have to answer a bunch of emails from women who will be like, okay, that's kind of sexy. Yeah, girl. (laughs) Don't do that. That would be a hit podcast, just sex sounds. Like ASMR. Not sex, but just. Oh, okay. It's just the sounds. Mm. Like when you're faking it in a movie. Okay. Jacqueline Beauty World's first audio. uh... Oh, my God, your hair. Like, just. Just welcome home would be the name of the podcast. And just when you come home as a woman, you put it on and then it's just me and your ear. Damn, you look like you had a long day, baby. We have guests, Tell Roy. We, we have guests. Jacqueline be the world's first audio intimacy coordinator, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this this person that we have today, uh, his career sp- spreads multiple genres. Like I would mm. say he's checked a lot of boxes. Mm. Professional athletics check. Professional entertainment, check. Hmm. College, all of that. Working out in the regular world, check. Hmm. Uh, he is a good friend of mine, and I, we um, we share a hallway together over there at the Daily Show. But before that, we ran them L.A. joke streets together. J.G., who do we have on the line? We welcome comedian and Daily Show correspondent Michael Costa to the show. While Michael is best known for his work in comedy, we were surprised to learn that he is also, like you said, a former professional athlete. The Michigan native enjoyed a successful college tennis career before going pro and eventually coaching. His coaching gig allowed him time to try his hand in stand-up comedy, and I guess they say the rest is history. Welcome. Thank you. Wow. It's all, this is already more researched than I anticipated. You had a mean year one year in tennis, man. I think you uh, reached all of 864. We have clips of uh, that year when you were killing it at uh, 863, 862, and uh, yeah. 864. It's the like a rise world. and fall thing. Well, no, and this, you know, this is the, if for those that, the, that are unaware, 864 was my highest ATP Association of Tennis Professional world rankings. Okay. That's the highest. That's the best I ever got. Okay. That's, I mean, I mean, it's still to this day, the signature on my email. It, it is, it is what I, I am most proud of, but it is like, you know, I, I, maybe it's just because I love in sport, unlike in comedy, Roy, there is no subjectivity. There is no, oh, I'm 864, but I actually am number one. I actually am a Grand Slam champion in sport. You are your number. That is it. Okay, so then let's start there for the worst and first part of this conversation. Now, being a college athlete, we spoke with Candace Parker um, a while back, and she was talking about her time at Tennessee and how when you're a student athlete, there is no time to deliver pizza. There is no time... Mm -hmm to work retail. So were you pretty much from your childhood on, were you always in athletics and just, you just were never the kid that worked at the drive-thru? Like what were some of those first Michael Costa pay stubs or did none of that happen until the world of tennis? Yeah, it's a good question. And you know, Candace is right. It it actually doesn't matter what collegiate sport you play. If it's a varsity sport, they, they got you, they got your schedule. Mm -hmm. They have your hours mm-hmm. on lockdown. They feed you mm-hmm. at feeding times. Um, so when my when my is that what it, it's it, called? It, right, I was like, like ring the bell, the it, bell, like the Pavlov thing. <laughs> cling, cling, tennis people eat now. Bing, bing. I mean, come eat. It, I know I made it sound like we're a bunch of gerbils, but you kind of are. You kind of are, and, and you're, repre- you're representing the, the team and the jersey that you're wearing. And for me, it was University of Illinois, but. Um, to answer your question, Ooh. when John Costa, yeah, my father, realized Ooh. that college might be free for me, he <laughs> said, he said, he said, you can spend your summers working on your serve and your forehand. Um, so I didn't have to do those drive through jobs. 
I didn't have to, you know, man, my, my siblings nice. did. Yeah, they did everything. It was nice, except in the back of my head, I kept thinking, I better get a scholarship. Uh, which, which thankfully I, thankfully I, I did, but you know, I mean, yeah. truly my job be, became to get very good at tennis. So that's, that's what I focused yeah. on. To me, tennis is an interesting sport in that, you know, it's your fault. Like the, there is no teammate to blame. Oh, okay. There is no, well, the, I mean, the coach called the wrong play like your coach your tennis coach may call the wrong strategy for the match well it's his fault you want to play against the net or but but ultimately you had to hit that fucking ball bitch it's the coach's and you fault, couldn't yeah. hit that ball no like that. coach's fault you didn't no you didn't run. you it's on you third it's coach's run fault. your ass across it's coach's that court. fault or it's a fucking racket's fault it's not my fault fuck huh? that no. i've seen That's the game real I, I know how it works there's a reason his name is third and not first. I'm just messing, obviously. But Roy, what does that remind? It reminds me of comedy, of stand-up comedy. Like I can, yeah. I you know, Friday late show, I was in Kansas City. It didn't go well. You know, mm -hmm. I walked off the stage. Oh. I was ready to bitch about the server. I was ready to bitch about the check spot. I was ready to bitch about the group up front that was complaint that was loud. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's like, yo, it's you. You're out there, man. Do do your right. job. And um, right. so tennis is very similar to me to stand up comedy in the sense that the responsibility falls on, on your shoulders. So let's get into the world of professional huh. tennis. You're out. You're on the ATP tour. And you're doing your thing and you're winning matches and you're losing matches and you're trying to figure your way through this particular world. What are the hurdles as a young new? Because like, is it are they called rookies? Like, what is the beginning level in tennis? Because it seems like tennis is just motherfucker play. It's beautiful in the sense that, you know, anybody can kind of sign up for an open qualifying low-level professional tournament so mm -hmm. in theory oh. if you you can win your way into the u.s open um now oh. technicality i was probably playing the majority of my matches on the itf which is the international tennis federation circuit which is like the double a single a sometimes triple a version of what you're watching on tv right now the u.s open so i was in the bull durham okay. uh minor leagues but nice the big okay. one of the biggest hurdles not a sexy answer is money you're self-funding oh. in tennis it's oh. it's like golf i don't have a team i don't have i'm not playing for the you know toledo mud hens uh i'm playing for michael costa and so what my one of the greatest gifts my dad gave me was he didn't give me money. He said, I will help you create a business plan where you sell shares of your potential earnings to investors. Oh. And we basically oh. created Fuck. the Michael Costa tennis nice. com company and <laughs> people people bought shares of me for $5,000 and we raised $175,000 and I played on that. And once that was done, wow. guess what? I switched to comedy. You NFT'd yourself? Like a boxer. You, you NFT'd yourself. You literally NFT'd <laughs> yourself. Is that what you did? Yeah. 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 In, in, 19, in 2001, That's fire. I NFT'd myself. <laughs> That's pretty fire, man. You're, you're, you're a trailblazer, sir. At least you didn't have to get an OnlyFans to work the pole. I appreciate right. that, Carson. But you also, you know, that's, think that's about like what what a great gift from my dad. It wasn't money. That's brilliant. It was it was entrepreneurial spirit. It was believing in yourself. It was also calling his friends that had money. But um, you know what a great what a great uh, what, what a great parenting move. That's that's something serious. It's one thing to call because uh, I got a kid. It's one thing to call your friends and get them to buy like Girl Scout cookies or whatever doohickeys that they're selling for the basketball team. It's a whole other thing to call somebody and make a serious <laughs> investment say, I want you to put your money behind my child who I believe in who can actually do something. And that's, that's pretty dope. And there's no guarantee. $10,000 will give you 1% of his mm -hmm. earnings Yeah, for yeah, whatever over X amount of years, which means they'll get the 10K back over the 
damn yeah. that's yeah that's well, it was more yeah. like i i still have the business plan but it was like they got 30 really? they got 30 percent the first two years and it, it went down after that and long story short they all got about half their money back but michael costa and tennis you know from yeah. a, from a from a venture capitalistic standpoint i was a failed company but um but i'm to this day extraordinarily but you can write that off yeah <laughs> well and i just was so appreciative True. they they gave me the opportunity to travel the world and to compete mm-hmm. uh, to compete at a sport that i that i was good at and loved playing. that's really dope Really so cool. in stand up, if I'm working a city in the early days, bro, if I was somewhere more than two days, I went to a temp service and I got a day job while I was mm. in that city. Wow. So when you're touring <laughs> wow. for tennis, could you like because a tournament could be two weeks long, right? If you're if you're going far into that tournament, what is the day to day? You just training and practicing like there's just no time to get any type of because it seems like the type of job where you can't get a no, side you're, hustle. You know, you're, when, when you're playing in these tournaments that I was playing, the tournaments are only one week long. But uh, the ones that I was playing, in, you know, the major tournaments are two weeks long. But, dude, your job is to sleep. You sleep. Don't underestimate sleep. Sleep. Professional athletes oh. sleep. That is your healing time. That is your downtime. You sleep, you eat, and you train, and that is it. Quick break. When we come back to homie Narado, a.k.a. Rod for short, maybe we talk a little tennis with him, see if he's done a little bit of tennis. And then I want to get into the world of tennis groupies with Michael Costa. A little scam action. Job fair. We'll be back. It's almost here. The Knicks anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Knicks' biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Job fair, talking tennis. The homie Michael Costa is standing by, and we'll get back to Costa and talk a little bit about the world of tennis groupies. And um, we'll probably uh, talk to him a little bit third about the shadiness in comedy clubs since he does stand up now. You know, scam gonna do what the scam gonna do. Uh, Real quick before we um, take this show off the rails, JG, did you know that Sackleson State Community College? now has a faceless tuition policy. That's right. If you are less than an eight, Sackleson State is still willing to invite you to in-person classes. As we already know, Sackleson State Community College, the only community college for good-looking people, the distraction of ugliness is a scourge scourge on our educational system. But with the new faceless semester at Sackleson State, if you are an ugly person, you can still attend in class if you agree to face the wall. You get the same curriculum, the same education, the same lectures. All we ask that you do at Sackleson State is point your desk at the wall to not distract the more intelligent scholars. Sackleson State Community College, you can get a 4.0, but not if you're a four. Visit them online, sacstate.com. Where the graduation rate is 30%. Mm. Oh, shit. Goddamn. Yeah, that's the chemical that released in your brain. When you see an ugly person, your brain just shuts down. It's, oh, shit. Goddamn. 
Ooh, shit, goddamn. We turn it over now briefly to a brother who is the author of the New York Times bestseller, How to Make Love to Your Woman on a Public Bus and Not Miss Your Stop. Sold over three million copies hardback. G shit. <laughs> His mama named him Narado. We call him Rod for short. Rod, we're talking tennis today. We was talking a little bit about uh, the U.S. Open and that brother a couple weeks ago who was running things, Francis Tiafu. Mm-hmm. Black man. First generation immigrant from Sierra Leone. Rod, do you like it? When they have the struggle story about the athlete while the athlete is still being great, or does that feel a little out of pocket to you? Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. It's uh, it's very annoying. It's what it's. It's like my top two, like two things that really bother me in sports is these super struggle stories that are like totally irrelevant to what they're being great at. And when, like, the announcers are, like, coming up with these weird stats to make some shit more interesting, you know, they're like, this is the <laughs> first play. He just became the first player to hit 11 consecutive free throws in black socks. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so first 10 goals of the season, all scored by the left foot. It is amazing. For me, for me, the issue with the struggle story, I think it holds water. And to what Third said earlier makes perfect sense. You have, there are people watching who have to know that no matter what situation they're in now, they can overcome it. But can we do it at the end of the match? Can we do it at the end of the tournament? Can we do it before, like before the game starts? But like when they're in the game, actively playing the game, constantly remind. And just a reminder, the gentleman you're watching used to sleep in a fucking trash can at McDonald's, and he would eat whatever whatever food came down that trash can at McDonald's and his family came from Sierra Leone and they survived on that middle bread in the Big Mac that nobody likes. They would just eat (laughs) Big Mac middle bread. And now you see him here at the tournament. 4015, Tiafu to serve. It's disrespectful, man. (laughs) I just find it real disrespectful. Like they don't tell you about, they only do that with people of color. Like they'll tell you about the white that dude that's so excelling at tennis who moms is in a mental asylum and got a pill problem. Now talk about that shit. That's so facts, <laughs> me. But they always quick to tell you this. Oh, this black person. You better believe, buddy. This is even more amazing because yeah, they both their parents died from AIDS and had drug problems and they were homeless till last night and all that shit. But then on the opposite side of that coin, that means that we people of color and so on and so forth, we need to take control of our own narratives. The only thing you're going to know about me is what I tell you and what I put out there. So, but just you can't because, do that with a turn. You can't do that during a tennis. Like match all those or, people, or everybody, like that's that's public information, so to speak. But like, I yeah. just don't you like that. The narrative. You can only if you start doing that with white people. Tell me about this white lady's brother who fucking is in prison for manslaughter because he killed his girlfriend in a drunk driving accident when he was 16. Yeah, they're going to hide all Talk that. Talk about like, they that. Never tell, they never that tell the stories mean. of the Eastern European players. Like that's, that I, I agree with, like, if you, are, if you are black and you are from the UK, you are from America, or you are from somewhere in Africa, they find the hardest luck. Your family used to sleep on straw and date elephants type story to tell while you on the screen. But don't let them be from like Poland or Romania or one of those Eastern European countries where they had some horrible shit happen. Yeah. They just skip over all of that shit. It's the subtle it's the subtle racism of lowered expectations. I agree it's that. If somebody's that, white but... enough from a hard background, nobody cares because they, they're white, so they're expected to be great. So that's not something to overcome. But if you're black and you got a parking ticket, they're going to talk about that shit forever. I agree that the racism is there. I agree that uh, all the things are there. However, if that's not the story he wants told, and we don't know what story he wants told or whomever. Of course. Go to ESPN and tell them, this is my story. Let me tell you my story the way I want you to share my narrative. That is not how journalism works. Those people, I not even a little bit. But will guess what? You gotta change. They will laugh. They will. They will laugh in your fucking yeah. face. You coming in? Like, you coming in and be like, "This is don't. a story that 
Look, I love the fact that you guys talked about my broke ass background, but I went to college and I had a scholarship. Yeah, here's what's gonna happen, son. We're gonna run the story we already got. You just going out there and keep playing tennis, son. I get we, what we'll, JG's we'll saying though, and let me mm. give you an example. And this is some shit y'all can actually Google about me. So mm. when I do podcasts, right, there is a difference in the way the episode description of the podcast is written when I mention mm. getting arrested versus not mentioning getting arrested. Mm-hmm. If I straight up if I straight up don't bring up getting arrested in a conversation, they go, tell me how you got in a stand-up. We know the truth. I got arrested. I thought I was going to prison. I did comedy to deal with depression until I got sentenced. And then I got probation and I kept doing comedy the rest of my life. That's mm-hmm. the truth. Mm. But in certain conversations, you can feel that shit. I can't explain it. But you can mm. feel it, and it's like it's very much. A, so tell me about your struggle. Tell me about everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and this is like you know, I'm talking five, ten years ago type shit, where I would mention the arrest, right? And would be eloquent and explain why and what happened, and I am remorseful. And then we would talk for another fifty fucking minutes about other shit in my life. But then it would be boiled down in the news article or the podcast description. Roy Wood Jr. talk about Alma going to prison and doing comedy. Motherfucker, <laughs> that's not all that I am. That's not I all. Hear you. so. I would just I would just straight up not talk about it. I just straight up would not bring it up. And I get what JG is saying. Like in certain instances to manipulate the people that you're talking about, Rod, who literally are only going to write what you say and only going to put out what you say. You just got to straight up not tell them shit. And if you already know that about me, then motherfucker, just write it. Because that was the thing that was really that used to really be fucked up is JG. They wouldn't they wouldn't know that part of my story because they've done the research. Mm-hmm. And then they would, add it, but they want me to say it to them for they, right, bitch, I they need to verify it. it. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to verify that. What do you need you? to verify it for? I talked about getting arrested. Oh, three on star search. Motherfucker. That's 20 years Watch worth this. of fucking go get it. <laughs> yeah. right. So, so in those interviews where I feel them fishing for mm-hmm. struggle, fit, let's call it struggle fishing, right? Struggle fishing. <laughs> That's the term. Talk, talk, talk about like your a layer of fish. Uh huh. <laughs> Damn. Jack. Talk about what talk about what you've overcome and struggle. Your comedy. I understand your early days in comedy. The mm. struggle, right? I just be like, yeah, I was mm. real hard it. on the road. That's slept in my car. Yeah. Yes, yes. But what else? What else? Nope. D- struggle. Yeah, man. Everybody struggle, but I'm here and I'm thankful. So I, I get what you're saying. I but but, but thank you for that, Rod. Because I just. I think there is a place to know where someone is overcoming, but I'm just not sure if in the middle of while the match is in progress. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Not while it's in progress. Or we bring in a struggle comment. You add a third person <laughs> to the booth, Rod. This is what I propose. You add a struggle commentator, but you let it be a brother because a brother delivers struggle on the upbeat mm. so it doesn't sound as painful. You bring Tracy Morgan yes. in as Hustle Man <laughs> and make him the struggle correspondent. <laughs> now, welcome back. We're in the third set. Tiafo is down 6-2 and he's been through a lot. Uh, to tell a little bit more about his story, let's go to struggle commentator Tracy Morgan. Tracy, what can you tell us about Francis Tiafo? Well, yes, Daddy was a janitor. He's a janitor, and they slept in the motherfucking tennis. He said, "That's how you learn that fucking tennis. You sleep around. You can't not learn tennis. Sleeping around tennis." Make that face. <laughs> have you seen Tracy Morgan talking? Yes, I have. Oh, that was dead on. The voice is the face. You can't. It ain't in the throat. It ain't in the throat. It's in the face. We bring Rod on this program every week okay. to give you topics to break the ice with coworkers you can't stand. Co- workers of the opposite race. Rod, we'll let you go ahead and break it down for folks this week. Oh, man. For your black co-workers, a huge conversation raging right now. Uh, rapper Shad Moss, better known as Bowser's sure. Wowsers, better yes, known sir. also as Lil Bow Wow. Oh, okay. He is currently getting ready to set off on the Millennium Tour once again. And, M2K in the gang shots yep, up. And this time features a $1,000 Lil Bow Wow VIP backstage package where if you give Bow Wow $1,000, he will give you a tour of the facilities where they're performing 
and he will let you hang out in his quote unquote private club for about 30 to 45 minutes and you'll also get a personalized backpack and a picture Ron, define me Chris Brown's VIP price real quick. So <laughs> why are people complaining about this? Well, you know, well, the, well, the joke is, you know, why would anybody pay a thousand dollars to meet and greet with Bow Wow? Because yeah, that's the same price Chris Brown has a picture in like 10, 15 minute package for a thousand dollars. And it's just like, OK, that's Chris Brown. But this is Bow Wow. He should be willing to take $25 to hang out That's with That's Rihanna's him. ex-boyfriend. He don't even get Chris Brown. Like, that is... Yeah, yeah, okay. Thank you, Down South Georgia girl. Yeah, but but Chris Brown is only charging 1000 Let's see. But you don't get to hang and be around. So Bow Wow is the better value. You get a lot more with I'm Bow Wow. But the problem is, for people, is that it's Bow Wow. It's paying a thousand dollars to hang out with Chris Brown versus paying a thousand dollars to hang out with Lil Bow Wow. But what if Bow Wow is your Chris Brown? Then you oh. should be then in your a mental life is facility. In question. You do not need to be in a concert. You don't need to be in the streets. You're a danger to you're a danger to society and yourself. Your you're a diehard Bow Wow fan. Oh. <laughs> not, you know what? No, fuck that. I'm not gonna let y'all attack Bow Wow like this. This man said price. How is that attack himself? This that's, man. That's a self. That's self check. I know you don't play a lot of basketball, but he's literally throwing the ball off the backboard and catching it and trying to shoot a basket. This is a so, self check. So you telling me no that way. paying a thousand dollars to go backstage and hang out with Chris Rock is the same as paying a thousand dollars to spend two extra hours past Chris Rock with Willie and Tyler? That's <laughs> what you're telling me. First off, you're not going to disrespect Willie Tyler and Lester. That is a legendary black big trip. That was a deep $1,000 Willie Tyler and Lester is the same as $1,000 with Chris Rock. disrespecting Willie Tyler. I'm not disrespecting. I respect the hustle. I respect the talent. I'm just saying, if you're telling me they're in the same world, then I'll drop this whole thing. If you're telling me Chris Rock is equal to Willie Tyler and Lester. I'll drop it. Mm. I'll drop it. I'll tell Bow Wow to raise the price to 10000 If you would tell me on the record that Willie Tyler and Lester is exactly the same as Chris Rock. No, you can't do it. Say Jimmy Walker some shit. Say somebody else. What I'm saying is the market decides, right, and the market has decided that some people have decided that Bow Wow is worth one thousand fucking dollars, which is a lot of fucking. Who would you wait in line for? Is there anyone you would wait in line for? Me personally, meet? not a yeah. soul. I wouldn't wait in line to meet Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, what about you, third? <laughs> First of all, I'm paying the G. Second of all, I better be seeing Tam Greer, like. Or somebody like that. Like I, I, I can't. And she's the only person I could think of because that way I could. I, I got to justify this G with my wife. So like that's the other problem that I oh, have yeah. with this shit. I got to justify it's the G out. Somebody both of y'all want to meet. Then y'all got like, to. Maybe who I, you, I say who you know what. Wait for a I say Barack. I'll leave it at Barack. I pay. I pay the G for Barack. Who would you wait three hours and pay a thousand dollars to meet? Um, this goes back to a question from way many episodes before Rod. And I said that, I can't remember what it was, but I said, I really want to meet Andre 3000, mm-hmm. but I would book mm-hmm. Big Boy because I know Big Boy would actually show up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Andre mm-hmm. 3000, maybe, so I would wait, I don't know if I'd pay a G, but I would wait He's three like hours to meet Samuel L. Jackson. Like if, like if somebody told me, stand right here, and in three hours, Samuel L. Jackson will be here and we'll have a conversation with you, I probably would stay put. Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Oh, I would only wait in line for food. I don't need to meet anybody. <laughs> God damn. Would you pay a thousand dollars for a meal? Mm. It depends on what it is now. Like that Salt Bay restaurant or Gordon Ramsay. Oh, that, like one that, of them that gold-covered steaks fucking... and shit. If mm. it's an experience, I will pay the money for it. I will wait in line for it. It's that white tablecloth. I'm going to Michelin star action. Chef. Yes, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. I'm all in on that. Uh, All right, Rod, let's flip it up for the people real quick. 
for your white coworkers, we got a motherfucking doozy right now. Uh, a country club in Manassas, Virginia. Shout out! Was forced to release an apology for a special 9-11 themed food menu to mark <laughs> the no. 21st anniversary Oh, no. Of 9-11. You have a food menu. Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked that, Ralph, because I I got the (laughs) list right here, my man. Uh, Would you like some Flight 93 redirect? That is hot crab dip with a crostini. First responder oh, flatbread. <laughs> yeah, no. first responder flatbread. You waited line for a first responder no. flatbread, Jacqueline. <laughs> no, that's mm. not an experience. What about nine eleven oysters? The freedom like flounder. Oysters, but I don't. Want the, are the nine eleven oysters deep fried? Deep fried? Uh, yeah, they look like it. Yeah, they, they, they with chipotle remoulade. You get six. Ooh, not remoulade. Uh, Pentagon pie. The remembered teeny and the most egregious thing on this list is a creamy crab and corn with bacon chowder called 2977 chowder. For those of you who don't know, 2977 is the official fatality count of the attacks of 9-11. And if you don't know which one of those things sounds the most delicious, they do have a never forget sampler. I'm not bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Stop! I'm not bullshit. Stop! The <laughs> only thing that would have made this more egregious is if all of these food items were lightly dusted with confectioner sugar. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is insane, man. Like, who no, comes? That's crazy. This sounds like an idea from a comedy sketch that you tell another comedian, you know, because when comedians talk to each other, there is absolutely nothing off the table. And that's what this sounds Thanks. like. This sounds like a joke between a couple comedians in a group chat, and somebody turned it Wait. into a real, a fucking restaurant yeah. manager at a fucking country club was like, we got a Mark 9-11, we need Pentagon Pies. That is insane. There's so many people to fire in this situation. Like, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show, but like, who do you fire here? Are we firing the GM? You Are fire everybody the above the kitchen the is out of here. Are we firing? <laughs> Are we firing the weed man who brought this fucking weed to the chef <laughs> to make them have this idea? Everybody there above so the kitchen staff has to fucking go, man. They gotta go. It's nuts. That's the this, podcast. It's mm. Uncle Rod's story corner. I hang you my head in shame, Virginia. This fine I hang my head in shame, Virginia. Thank you, Rod. It's crazy to think they even did that shit in deep. Do you know how serious? I mean, they take 9 11 real serious here in, in, in New York. But, like, you know, in DC, 9 11 is a, is a seriously solemn ass thing. I can't even believe somebody would do that shit. That's crazy. Rod, thank you as always. We'll get with you next week. We're going to do another uh, Rod's Relationship Fair. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Talking about uh, holiday work parties that have gone south. If you got a work party. <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Reach out to us. Roy's job. Fair. If your boss allows you to G-Man. have a party. I was about to say, y'all know we'll fuck this up. This, this is enough reason for Roy to take the party from our ass. Like just, we ain't having one here. Yeah, said we ain't have no damn party. No party. I'm gonna come to each of y'all house individually, and we are gonna celebrate. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Grinch's job fair. Job fair holiday parties is one on one. They schedule it like an evaluate, like a working. He's gonna give us an evaluation. He's gonna do it like the coach when come in there and lay out shots of each of our houses and take the shots and leave. The hell. Scam of the week time. Let's get back to our guests. We're talking tennis with Michael Costa. I've always heard, like, if you're a tennis professional, like, if you're a tennis pro, that, like, you know, at least in the movies, it seems like a lot of older women who are very lonely try to sleep with you. I'm not asking you to call yourself out, Costa. But I'm just saying, you know, like, have you What's seen a tennis groupie game? Yeah, yeah, yeah but oh. it's different when you're a tennis pro because you get like, you know what I'm saying, like millionaire wife groupies, <laughs> which is crazy. I'm not saying it's a side hustle. I'm just saying that if you got the right tournament and you about three weeks out, you could tennis pro. I'm not trying to call you out, Costa. I'm asking this you question was not in the prep doc, Costa. I want yeah, you no, to no. know <laughs> going off this, the rails. The best questions are never in the prep doc, right? 
excellent. This is an excellent question. Um, is it? You you might be mistaking like <laughs> teaching pro at a country club for a playing professional, right? Now, mm. my friends that are at the country clubs teaching rich wives who are bored and they sign up. Yes. Yes, it happens. Yes, 100%. There's a reason it's the cliche. Um, nice. The closest that happens in the, in the tournaments that I was playing was um, you would sometimes get to a tournament and you could request housing. You could say, hey, I don't have the money for a hotel. Are there any families mm-hmm. that would put me up? Um, and, you know, this is tennis. These are nice houses. Uh, and mm-hmm. so sometimes you get put up sometimes there's not a lot of people in the house sometimes uh you lose and maybe the you know the the mom maybe she's serving drinks i've heard of that happening too um but (laughs) that's as far as i'll take it oh really what you're telling me is that i have to tell rod that he needs to be a tennis a tennis pro and maybe lose a couple of matches. It might work out for him. I could see him working that path. But I, I like this, sir. I like this. I like this. Thank you. How, how does a career like this end? Like, like, is there a date? Like in football, you are waived and eventually no one else will sign you or invite you back. In tennis, if everything is an open and you just have to win the qualifying tournament to get a chance to get a chance for the bigger tournament at w- walk us through that last month of playing tennis. Is it a decision to just not get in any more tournaments? I'm tired of losing or this isn't profitable. I'm out of cash. Like yeah. mm-hmm. walk us through the end of a through the end of a tennis career for, for the average, you know, tennis pro. Yeah, it's an excellent question because it's not like most of us get to play our last match on Arthur Ashe Stadium in front of 29,000 mm-hmm. people on ESPN. It's this really um, uneventful, uh, objective, financial, emotional. You're kind of like, yeah, I remember I got basically what happened with me was I got offered the assistant coaching position at University of Michigan. And I just mm-hmm. said, that's it. I'm taking that job. I'm going from one job to the next. And I had about $4,000 left also. So that certainly helped <laughs> the decision. That'll do it. Um, mm. but at, Were you married you know, I, at the time? No, I wasn't. I was living with my parents. Okay. Uh, um, and I was 24. And, okay. uh, you know, my last year on te- with, with tennis, I, as I was all this downtime that you have waiting, I used to write jokes and in, in notebooks and essentially mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. those notebooks are what turned into my first stand-up comedy set but you know most i i guess even in minor league baseball there is a last day that, or last at bat but in tennis much like golf it's kind you kind of just slowly fade away hmm. so no like you don't play on the underground tennis death circuit until you know you just can't <laughs> the knees give out that yeah, would be you know, sick. and one street ball for tennis <laughs> and one street ball for, thank you bro you know what i'm saying lots of explosions <laughs> no, that, that possible exist. killing I mean, moves at the end of matches oh that would be sick that's a, that'd be a good video game right? right but yeah there isn't you know and this is tennis it's it's a pretty affluent sport most players when they're done playing they probably got some other stuff lined up you know, it's not it's not as dramatic or sad as some of the other sports where like, holy shit, I've been a defensive lineman my whole life. I'm now injured. Bring it's in over. your playbook. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not as dramatic. Bring in your racket. <laughs> Turn in your balls. What what are some interesting scams that you've seen run at various businesses? I don't imagine you to have been much of a scammer yourself because you went from coaching straight into stand-up comedy. You know, comedy itself is a scammy business, television. Um, I played a comedy club in the Midwest, still in business, so I will, I will refrain their name. Small, intimate, wonderful venue. I was there uh, Saturday. I see this giant U-Haul pull up, and the entire staff is taking the chairs and the tables from the showroom and loading them into the u-haul and the u-haul is parked in the back with the flashers on so i go in there and i'm going 
what's up? And they're going, we're getting our fire inspection and we need to be at this number. Uh, but, you know, we seat four times that, obviously, in the showroom. So they oh, periodically rent a U-Haul and put all the stuff in a in a U-Haul in the corner with the flashers on and wait for the fire commissioner to, to leave. And I was like, that is some that is some intelligent. <laughs> and, and, and they supposedly they pay supposedly they pay the commissioner. So he says to them, I'm coming in now. So then they got two hours to go business. rent the truck and do this whole thing. That's good business. That's good business. That's good business. <laughs> when you're in with the commissioner, I don't care. That's good business. That that's that's the way yeah. you should do it. That, that, that's the way it works. I'm sorry. I, I respect them. I respect mm. them. I'm not necessarily saying Cody's mm. most most uh most, but I'm just saying it's that's pretty damn close. You're in with the commissioner? Mm, I love it. I like yeah, the that's garage. good business until there's a fucking fire, Ralph. Well, I mean, you know, until there's a fire. that's the price yeah, also, of doing business. What are you both talking about? <laughs> what are you talking? I want my bonus. Pack them in. God damn it. I don't give a shit. Put 50 chairs in there. See, that's what happened. Both of you two are famous to do things for causes and to look at the money and just be like, oh, it's cool. <laughs> Me? I'm still on the motherfucking come up. Fire. Burn the place down. Somebody's trying to peel themselves. Give my jokes. I want the jokes. I want the cash. After the break, we'll bring it home with the homie Michael Costa and wrap up a little bit of tennis talk. It's a job fair. It's almost here. The Knicks anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Knicks's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Job fair, round and third, headed for home. Now, I want to talk about uh, the two podcasts that you are working on, Costa. But first, JG, what was your question? Oh, I was just going to say today impacts tomorrow. What are you doing today to make your world, your sphere, your neighborhood, your area a better place? Oh, man, I hate this question. What? Like... <laughs> Who else has asked you this question? What in the philanthropy question was that? That, that also no, was not a no, document. Is... <laughs> I can see there's good in those eyes. You have kind eyes. So I'm wondering, yeah. what are you doing to make the world a better place? Or even if it's just your neighborhood or your sphere of influence? Yeah. I mean, the reason I hate this question is I never Why? feel that I'm doing enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have decided that raising a daughter. You're raising a daughter, you're doing more than enough. You're doing more than enough. You're raising a daughter. Very important. I've got one too. Um, just, so I try very enough. I try very hard. You don't need to do, do anything that. else, Mike. Just keep her off the pole. Yeah, I, I guess all. so. I I guess so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> uh, you know, in my neighborhood, there's some trash pickup. Costa's, Costa bought one of those things that picks up the trash uh-huh. with the arms. Yes. You know, that goes around. My my neighbor my neighbors laugh at me because I put the mask and the gloves on and I go pick it up. I'm still confused nice. why I visit other cities around the world and no one has the trash like New York City. But um but 
I'll, I'll, that'll be my answer, but I'll also take your question as a, as a slight nudge for me to, to reconsider ways well, I can do more. Let me, let me say one thing to that, Costa, and this is something that I think a lot of people don't know about what we do at The Daily Show, but, you know, a lot of what we pitch at the show comes from the correspondence. So mm-hmm. we are, in a lot of ways, the arbiters of where the camera gets pointed. Mm. And what issue gets, you know, I am not. And I found this out when I went back to Birmingham during George Floyd to help with cleanup after, you know, some, you know, rioting and, you know, folks tearing up shit. But I will probably never have the availability to be the person that's the boots on the ground to lead the charge about the thing. But what Mm. I can do is be the support system Mm. to bring attention to the issue or bring money to the issue, which then helps to solve the issue. So for me, yeah, it's always yeah. been about trying my best to make sure that mm. I'm trying to create conversations around issues that a lot of people don't give a fuck about. Because mm-hmm. the Daily Show, just by volume, mm. we get to cover more shit than any other show because we are on four nights a week. So we, you know, mm. we just have more runway. So I would, I would say, you care a lot more than you probably. Mm-hmm. Here's something about Costa JG, and he's probably not giving himself credit for it. He just straight up took on the role of water dude at the show. This motherfucker, like the way I'm like always like, ooh, let me find another race story. Costa's like, hey, the water's fucked up. Uh-huh. You got to fix the fucking. So he time and time again has, you know, spearheaded uh-huh. so many stories that are That's about good. the environment. And when you look at what's going down right now in Jackson, Mississippi, mm-hmm. with yes. all of the fuckery there, you best believe yeah, that that type of good. shit has already been pitched by the motherfucker. You look at that. There it is. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah. The more I've dug into water quality, we, mm-hmm. we call ourselves USA. Right. We're number one. Motherfucker, Jacksonville, Mississippi has been had, had a boil your water the last three months. I mean, Flint yeah. still isn't figured out. It's like, how, wait, we don't, we don't have our, we don't have clean drinking water for mm-hmm. our citizens. So, oh, and and you want them to be more politically active or more registered to vote? They can't. They wouldn't have drinking water. So, right. yeah, Roy, well, thank, you for, thank you for th- th- thank you well, for thank you for mentioning the, that. But the it, thing yeah, is I that mean, when we're in the shit, we don't even realize what we're doing and the worth and just how unique and how powerful it is in the moment. That's and good. also, JG. Costa is the person when we were looking at the red algae and green algae plumes that are polluting um, the, the the water systems in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Costa wanted to get on a boat and ride through the algae so we could see really? it up fucking close, which we did. And we both almost went fucking blind because it's in the air. Like whatever yes. toxin is in that water, mm-hmm. that it's in your, it's in the air. It's fucking with your eyes, really all types of shit. Trip. But, you know, it was a good story. Free trip to Miami. Okay. I'm curious about something <laughs> totally different. Who put your head on this tennis ball? What's that? What, who put my head on what tennis ball? <laughs> oh, the logo. This tennis ball, as it relates to your podcast, I'm looking at a picture that has your head <laughs> oh. on the tennis ball. <laughs> who did that? Oh, the... It was a graphic designer friend. Are you not happy with it? It's your head on the tennis ball. (laughs) You can have whatever you want. But tell us about the podcast. Thank you. I have uh, my own personal podcast called Tennis Anyone with Michael Costa. And we talk tennis. We talk everything. But uh, and then I also have to promote a wonderful podcast I was a part Mm -hmm. of called Choosing Sides F1 with Sports Illustrated, where I don't know anything about Formula One racing but um with a journalist named lily herman i was presented every team and every driver and at the end of the season i pick my team and my driver and i learned so much about formula one and it's available wherever you listen to podcasts but that's cool really really fun that's a crazy sport that makes me think of ricky bobby that's a nascar no no no. in the movie in the movie there's a formula one racer thank you you didn't know you're ricky bobby the french dude the french dude (laughs) yes takes over ricky bobby yeah, he's sponsored by P- Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've enjoyed watching F1 the last couple of years. I'd be lying if I said the Netflix series F1 Drive to Survive. Man, tell him. 
did not, it helped me understand the stakes and the strategy of the sport in a way that video games did not. For the most part, I learned sports by playing the video game version of it. And then that gets me interested (laughs) in the real life version of it. Like I've reverse engineered my way to soccer with that, with hockey, but like that's, that's just how otherwise I was never going to learn about that. NASCAR is a little bit more simplistic in circle, 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 and there's strategy to it, but it's not to the degree uh, you know, a formula one. So mm-hmm. with this podcast, I think what's dope about it is that you're able, what you represent in that is the person who doesn't necessarily understand yeah, it. You know, I don't know. And I didn't know anything about F1. I didn't, they told me not to watch drive to survive. Okay. And what I, what I learned in the podcast is it's always interesting to learn this stuff. Formula one was very against drive to survive. They, they were mm-hmm. really reluctant at first. They liked their fan base. They didn't want new people. It is a wealthy, oh. old white dude sport, uh-huh. and and they were convinced to to give this a shot. And man, has it exploded the sport, grown the sport, and a uh, bunch bunch of people are watching the sport that never did before. And that's only good for their business. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we thank you so much for coming on, thank brother. You. I don't want to hold you up. I know you got a two-year-old somewhere in that house that you have to tend to that I'm sure somewhere. is caring <laughs> What do you mean somewhere? Something. Yeah, it's part of having a you child. You know, they're there. They're I there. mean, just, just so you see, like, like I'm recording, but there, there's like a bouncy house right here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so thank much you. for coming thank on, brother. Um, I love you, and I'll see you back oh. in the office at some point, man. Nice. Thanks, Roy. You're the man. Thank Michael you, guys. Costa, Thank you. Honor, brother. That's the show. Roy's Job Fair is a product of iHeartMedia, Comedy Central, and South Park and Princeton Productions. We did it. Um, I did think of one more person for $1,000 that I think, I think I would want to talk to. Hmm. Michelle Obama. Obama's win every time. I think Michelle Obama. You kind of have the husband's number. I think, because I, I think Hold she up, would wait be a minute, wait a minute. You say she he got would... the husband's number, JG? Absolutely. Nigga, you, uh, you could save me a thousand dollars. All this time you been asking me about motherfucking, I just told you to be, you, just, you could save me a thousand dollars. I don't know Obama. You can save y'all both a thousand dollars. Why you paying a thousand dollars? That's what I'm about to say. Pay to see somebody who's going to invite you to a barbecue. <laughs> I feel like at the end of talking to Michelle Obama, she'd give me my money back. She'd be like, baby, I just want you to keep this. I feel like that's the one. All right, next week, Rod's Relationship Fair returns the dangers of work parties. Don't you go to these work parties? You get to drinking, and sooner or later, somebody going to get to having sex. So uh, give us a call. Uh, reach out to the show, RoyceJobFair at gmail.com if you got one you want to add to the show. Uh, That's it. We'll do it again next week. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from Jon and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.